Hey all you cool Scottish heavies and Irish stelts. Welcome to Boys Are From Martin, a women in beer podcast. Today I am joined with Leah from Apocalypse Brewworks here in Louisville, Kentucky. We have a really great conversation on how she got into craft beer and what all Apocalypse Brewworks is about. Uh, I know it's been a minute since I've done a podcast, life got busy, and I just do this um, for fun on the side. So um, obviously other things become come before this, but I was excited to put the headphones back in, plug in my microphone, and do this episode with Leah. Um, So enjoy. Hello, everybody. I am joined with Leah of Apocalypse Brewworks here in Louisville, Kentucky. Leah, how are you doing this Friday afternoon? I'm doing great. Um, Before we get started, first of all, just kind of introduce yourself and what your role is at Apocalypse Brewworks. Uh, my name is Leah Dinas. I'm the head brewer and let me turn my phone back. <laughs> Mute that. Um, you want me to start over? No, you're good. Keep going. Okay. Uh, and I'm the co-owner of Apocalypse Brewworks here in Louisville, Kentucky. And then how did you get into brewing and craft beer um, in the first place? Because I know you guys have been open since 2012. So how, how did you personally get your start? And then talk about the start of Apocalypse as well. Oh, this is a hobby that went completely out of control. Um, I was a long, long time home brewer, uh, like 17 years. Um, I've won competitions all over the country, locally, regionally, nationally. Um, became a beer judge. I'm a BJCP national judge and a mead judge. Um, they're trying to talk me into being a cider judge. <laughs> so that's next on the agenda. Um, longtime homebrewer, past president of the homebrew club, just kept uh, winning lots and lots of competitions. And I knew that in my day job, my regular career, it was eventually going to end. And I needed a new direction. And I was doing so well with, the, uh, with what I was doing beer-wise. I decided to start working in craft beer, so I got a job at a local brewery, basically washing kegs and cleaning draft lines. Did that for quite a while, and then um, met with a couple of my, we went to the homebrew convention out in California and realized there were so many breweries there that had started off with just a really small system and had grown it. So one of the couples that I was, traveling with one of them. He's now my business partner. Um, I was with him and his wife and I said, you know, we could do this. (laughs) So, uh, we came home to Louisville and started looking into it and got a third partner, someone else in our homebrewing beer club and started building our brewery. And then you guys opened in 2000, May of 2012. Um, and it was the at that time, the second craft brewery, like currently open besides Against the Grain, that opened in 2011. What was the, the beer scene back in 2012? Like, were people, I mean, obviously, eight years later, it's completely different. But can you kind of talk about what craft brewery was like back in 2011, 2012? Right. Well, there was Bluegrass Brewing Company. They were open. And Cumberland, they were open. Cumberland um, Brews. Um, but... They were really the only ones that were around in Louisville. Uh, there were past ones that had opened and closed. Of course, um, Bluegrass Brewing Company had had a production facility that was still connected with BBC Namewise. Um, now they're Goodwood, but but basically that was sort of it. And that's why we knew that there was some room to grow 
in the city. So we thought, well, let's give it a shot. We'll start small, go into distribution and um, see where we can grow it. And we did it basically on a shoestring, you know, with our money and uh, working our own taps for, and still working our day jobs. <laughs> How long did you work a full-time job um, while operating a brewery until you finally were able to, you know, commit to the brewery full-time or retire your other full-time job? Uh, almost two years. And I didn't really get to retire, but uh, I started, went to part-time and then uh, we lost one of our large clients and then I just got laid off. Mm -hmm. so, it so it was the perfect transition. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't too long a period where you were working, you know, two jobs at once or anything. Well, two years is kind of a long time. <laughs> I, I, I guess so. I guess, you know, you've since being open eight years, I look at it as just two of the, the eight, but um, right. Apocalypse Brewworks, you guys call yourselves a fallout shelter. Um, right now, I think that's obviously a very appropriate name for what we're dealing with as a country. Um, well, how did the name for the brewery as Apocalypse Brewworks come about? Uh, well, my partners and I met and um, we all, I said, okay, let's all get together, we'll bring some names. And in my opinion, all the, the good regional names were taken. There was already Bluegrass Brewing Company and, and Cumberland Brews and mm -hmm. We wanted to seem a little bit bigger, and this was in 2011, and uh, it was before the Mayan apocalypse. So I had a piece of paper with a bunch of names, and my Paul had a piece of paper with a bunch of names, and Bill, who is still my current partner, mm -hmm. had no piece of paper. But if you knew Bill, it's not surprising. <laughs> so we're going through the names, and we just, you know, we were talking about this one and that one, and then Bill all of a sudden pops up and says, what's that end of the world thing? And I said, you mean the apocalypse? And he goes, yeah, that end of the world thing. I'm like, well, I could come up with really good beer names. And right. especially with like my backgrounds in graphic design. And so it was like, I could come up with some good graphics and some, some good wordsmithing for fun names. And that name had not been taken anywhere in the country. So, uh, and it kind of really worked once we found the spot here, which is surrounded by the, you know, 10 foot, 12 foot chain link fence and razor wire. So uh, it kind of all fell together. And I think the inside of your little, uh, the little top room there also, you know, you make it kind of feel like you're in a fallout shelter, which is uh, very unique and very cool as well. Um, so basically you have the mines to thank for your name <laughs> in a weird well, way. Right, right. <laughs> And then when you look at our equipment that we started with, you know, my thinking is once at the end of the world, and if manufacturing falls apart, we're just going to be reusing and recycling. Mm -hmm. And that really falls into our theme too, since we have um, the solar hot water that we can use, at least on the small brewery side, we can brew a whole batch with cleaning, with all water heated completely off the grid. Um, the bar was built with, found almost all found materials. So um, the, our brew equipment, we built it ourselves out of found materials. One of the, the heated brew pots we have is from 1969. One of the coolers that we have, we rescued it and it was probably from the sixties as well. So uh, reuse, recycle kind of falls into the apocalyptic mm -hmm. theme. So kind of expand on, I don't think I knew that you guys had solar, um, heated water that you use kind of expand upon that what was you know the um 
I don't know what the word is. Why did you guys think that was a good idea? I know you talk about reusing, re, uh, reducing, and because um, that's kind of unique for breweries to use. Right. Well, it kind of worked out. Um, Bill is, um, he's a master plumber and heating and air guy. And this, this was a test project that they were going to use for their heating and air business to get into solar hot water. And so we used our brewery as the test project to build the first one. So uh, it had some bumps here and there. It right. got so hot, it blew apart a couple of times and had to be put back together because the water got too hot. Do you find but, it more challenging to use in the summer, I guess? Or is it just whenever the sun's out that it works? Or Oh, no, no. We always have hot water. Even in the winter, we can get 115 off the roof. Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. We're sort of southwest-facing. Okay. And um, they're not flat panels. They're round glass um, tubes. So we get a pretty full spectrum of sunlight so, okay. and warmth. So, and it reflects off the roof as well. So Interesting. we get a lot of, we get a lot of heat. That's awesome. Yeah. I love to see when breweries kind of do that, um, you know, the eco, eco-friendly way. Well, they use eco-friendly products, you know, whether it's solar powers, whatever to, um, kind of help curb what they, you know, whether it's water, all the, um, energy and power they use in the brewery. Um, so kind of talk more about your space. Um, it's a pretty unique space, I think. Your tap room is pretty small, maybe fits 12 people, but you have a lot of outdoor seating, um, especially in the summer and the spring, it's really nice. And I, I've driven by a couple times, you have um, heaters out there. So just talk about your space a little bit as a tap room. Well, I, I tried to call it an urban beer garden since we overlook the expressway, which is <laughs> lovely when um, when it gets to be a rush hour, each, even though a lot of people are working from home. But for many years, it'd be rush hour and they would be backed up because we are right on um, a ramp, an exit ramp for the expressway. And um, so you could just sit there. If you came in after work, you could come in and have a beer and just watch the traffic back up going over to Indiana or going to 71 and <laughs> you could, you, you really felt like you were in a, in a good spot to have a beer and relax and not be stuck in that mess. See everyone else stuck in it, but you're not. Right. Right. And then we've, since it's such a lot, we've got, it's a large parking lot with a lot of picnic tables, but you know, I just get the forklift out and move it around in different configurations uh we donate our space to anyone who wants to use it for fundraising events so we have a lot of people in the community who take advantage of that which we, we're really glad to do um we've had everything from you know dog halloween contests to uh fundraisers for women that have kids with cancer to uh, music festivals and we have the space behind us so i mean we've had yoga. We just had a workout class here. Um, this past week, we've done movies outside. Um, anything that you can think of, we are willing to give it a shot. Yeah, I know one of the cool things that you guys do is you do a lot with um, local dog and or just animal shelters. Um, and I think that's really neat as someone who has adopted all of our, our dogs and stuff and is a big supporter of that. I, and I know specifically you guys really do that as well. And I know cats are a big thing. Um, from you guys, you guys have two two cats. 
two brewery cats and they're from the Kentucky Humane Society working cat program. So we were probably the first people in town to get working cats. And I've always been a big proponent of uh, trying to tell people and promote that program. Mm -hmm. And this is when we first got our cats, they had saved about 300 cats and they work with Metro Louisville, the other um, shelter agencies to give these cats jobs rather than euthanizing them. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were having a, a mouse problem and just catching water bugs in our traps. <laughs> and uh, luckily Bill's wife was volunteering for the SNP clinic and said, you know, you want to adopt cats. And we talked to some other people that there's a seed company near us. And he said, oh yeah, cats are the way to go. So we right. adopted these two. So they are Hero and Saki and we've had them almost five years. So they must be pretty happy. I'm going to come back as a brewery cat, you know, in my next <laughs> life. They live pretty good lives. I've worked at a brewery before with had a couple of them. Um, it was in the right. older space. And again, mice was an issue, especially with the grain. And uh, they live pretty spoiled lives. They just get to hang out, get pet by all the customers, and uh, get any uh, mice if there are any. Um, and one of the cool things I think you guys, you did with your cats is you made a really cool shirt out of it, which I own because it's awesome. It's a cat in a, in a gas mask, right? Is, would that, right. Is it? Yeah, and, in, a gas mask. in a gas mask, kind of talking about, you know, cat surviving the apocalypse. And every time I wear it out, I get so many compliments on it. Where'd you get that shirt? Where'd you get that shirt? And I'm like, oh, there's a brewery in Louisville, Spockless Brewers. They have cats, kind of all plays in the theme. Um, what kind of beers do you guys normally brew? What's, if you walk into Apocalypse right now, what kind of beers are you seeing on your tap list? Um, we usually sort of focus on like the classic styles um, with the, a few odds and ends thrown in there. Uh, when we first opened, because we're still involved with the our local homebrewing club, the Loggers Club, um, Louisville Area Grain and Extract Research Society, we felt that people looked to us to brew the beers that fit into a style. Um, so if if we said, okay, here's an amber lager, well, this is the this is a classic. It fits right into the style guideline category. Or here's an IPA, or an APA, or a cream ale, or a blonde ale, or whatever style we decided to make. We always tried to focus that it would fit into a BJCP style, so people would recognize it. You know, and but then then we've got all kinds of stuff. Like right now, I've got. I mean, Fallout Dust. We've had on, of course, that we go into vegetable herb spice, um, but that's a classic that we came up with, uh, our classic, of course, mm -hmm. um, and we can't ever take it off tap because some people, they've been coming to us since we opened and they have never drunk anything else <laughs> out of the hundreds and hundreds of different beers we've made. Right. That's all they'll drink. I love them for it. <laughs> I keep it on tap. You know, I'm like, you know, I make other beers and they're like, yeah, I know, but really like that fallout dust um you mentioned herbed and uh, vegetable and spice beers you, i know you guys just did a was it a chili beer green chili wheat mm -hmm. green chili wheat um and did you how did you incorporate the chilies into it uh i got a bunch of uh, hatch green chilies and then i roasted them and then put them in the paper bag and peeled them and took out all the seeds and then um i steeped them in the beer steeped them and then when that with that process using chilies do you like, what am I trying to say? I don't know. I don't remember where I was going with gloves? it. Yes. Yeah. Wear gloves. <laughs> so I guess I should ask, so there's yeah. a type of chilies that are spicy where you get in your eyes. Cause I remember peeling jalapenos and I forgot to wear gloves and I like rubbed my eye right after. And it was, 
Oh yeah. I worked in a bar in Boston and it was a Tex-Mex place. And we did, I did a whole case of jalapenos cause we did jalapeno vodka oh, wow. and I didn't wear gloves. And, uh, at the end of the day I had to keep dip and I had to keep bartending. I had to keep dipping my hands in ice water because my fingernails, it was the oil got underneath them and my fingers were burning so bad. So describe the flavor profile of this chili wheat to somebody. It's uh well, it's roasted hatch chilies. And then there's just a slight bit of heat at the end. Slight bit. But you, but you do get the flavor of the grain. Um, my, how I like to make a, a beer like that. I like to still be able to take the taste the base beer and mm-hmm. whenever I'm making some sort of a specialty beer. Um, I think that different fruits or spices or um, additives for these kind of beers should be um, a complement and maybe not overpower it. So that's how I like to, uh, I like it to be a blend of the beer style plus I've done a lot of different beers with different types of chilies. Um, and so I, uh, but I've always found that if you get the base beer with it, um, it's a nice marriage. And, um, you guys at apocalypse itself are very important to the Louisville beer scene here. Um, you guys do a lot for other breweries. Um, you help clean kegs. You are a, uh, extra cold storage for a lot of breweries. So can you kind of talk about that and what you guys do for some of the other breweries around town? Yeah. Um, it's nice that we have, it's not just the parking lot space. We also own all the land behind us. And, uh, so what Bill's done is we've, he's taken storage containers and turned them into coolers, you know, with his background. So you open the door to the storage container and you'll see a wall with the door and you walk in and it's like you're walking in the, any other walk-in mm-hmm. like in inside someone's space, but these are in storage containers so they can always be picked up and moved. Um, yeah. Some of the other breweries in town, you know, they share space. They don't have a lot of cooler space. They want to make a lot more beer. I mean, we ran into that. We were running into that. You want to make a lot of different styles of beer because your customers want change, but you don't have enough space. And some of the other breweries in town needed some extra storage space. So um, we've got a couple more of these storage coolers that they lease from us. And then we have, because of, as more and more breweries come in on the scene, there's pop, you know, there's, they, they have smaller systems. We're able to make like one or two of their core beers. And then, then that frees them up to keep using their fermenters for the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when they need their core stuff, you know, like their signature APA or their signature Kolsch or Blonde Ale or something, we can make that for them following their recipe, of course. Right. And then they've got it. And then they don't have to keep tying up their fermenters with, you know, making the same beer. I mean, during the pandemic, I'm running into that. I'm brewing more on our small system, but you know, some of the core stuff I'm brewing on our bigger system because I, otherwise I was brewing every two weeks trying to keep up with, you know, IPA because right. we go through it too quickly. Yeah. So I obviously work at Gallant Fox and you guys store our extra kegs. Um, plus I mean, we even use some of your kegs, um, to hold all our beers because we just run out of kegs. Um, so that's well, awesome. you all are still buying them. That's yes. why. Too. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I've got, I've got, 
you know, eight years worth of buying, right. <laughs> buying storage. And since the restaurants aren't buying very much, I do have a lot on in hand right now. Yeah. Because uh, for people who don't know who are listening, we just have our cold storage where we keep the kegs that are um, on tap. So we don't have, a lot of breweries have that plus extra cold storage or a big room and Gal Fox doesn't have that. So a lot of our extra kegs and backup kegs are sorted apocalypse. And the nice thing about you all, you guys are right down the road. So if we ever run out one, uh, I know Patrick or Roger just run down and grab some. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> We're not even a mile away. Right. Um, so that, and you're very close to a lot of the other breweries that I think you help out as well. Um, and if yeah. not, all the breweries in Louisville are pretty centrally located and easy to get to and from. I'm yeah, kind we're of really tra- lucky that way. Yeah, and like you said, you're right off the ramp. So not far from uh, um, the big uh, main uh, streets. Um, going back to some of the beers that you've brewed, what has been the beer that you've been most proud of? Hmm. Well, the most one of the more interesting beers that I third, thought turned out really well. We did. Um, there was a water project, and about five breweries in town were given water. It was a like a reuse, recycle type water program mm-hmm. where they took the gray water and then ran it through a special knew very slow, but it cleaned up all that gray water to make it drinkable because that's that's where a lot of the water companies are trying to move into this mm-hmm. kind of, how can we reuse gray water and then put it back into the you know human consumption system? So they had this special filtration machine and they approached all of a, a bunch of us breweries in town and said who would like to sign up for this and I'm always the first one to raise my hand because mm-hmm. I like to experiment and um, so I made a guess on the water profile because they tested everything before we you know we're not gonna brew with anything that's not for human consumption so <laughs> we got all the sign offs on that right you know we're not right. gonna kill people um, but uh, I was able to make a, a really nice Munich Hellas out of it because I knew they were probably going to pull out more minerals because they were doing this extra filtration and um, that got served and we served it in our tap room and they served it at the water conference. They held a regional water conference here and all of our beers got served there. And then I think they took it out of town and they served more of the beers um, But the beers brought brewed locally. Everybody did something different and um, mm-hmm. that ended up being a really nice beer. That's awesome. I don't think I knew that story. Um, so what's what's next and upcoming for Apocalypse? What's What events do you guys have coming up? What beers, um, releases do you have coming up? Just kind of let people know what's going on. Um, well, we've got a plant. There's a woman, uh, Dancing Deer Botanicals. She's going to be selling plants here on the, tomorrow, actually Saturday. Um, on this coming Wednesday, we've been doing a Wednesday jazz series. Mm. So... People are dying to hear live music. Right. And luckily, one of our customers, um, his son, he's going to L and he's a jazz pianist, and he's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. And he's playing, and we've got um, Traveling Kitchen as a food truck coming on Wednesdays. So we've been doing this for about two months. And it's nice people bring a chair, and they sit outside, and listen to someone play, you know, some of the jazz classics and he improvises and it's sort of like, it kind of takes you away from all this for a short Mm -hmm. amount of time. 
and then we've got we're trying to work through maybe a couple of movie nights we've got a screen that we can rear project from inside one of our big garage bays so we're working with um another company who's who's got the movies and the equipment and so we're we've got like one coming up i think on halloween and one maybe on the 23rd or the 24th we're trying to pin that down so that's that's a few things coming up and then after what, that what, I about, be, what about any beer releases anything coming out soon for y'all uh, yeah, I just brewed twice this week. We'll have our Kentucky Hop Brown, which is a hoppy American brown ale. So that got brewed this week. Um, and then I'm probably, actually, I'm going to probably make uh, another uh, German lager something. And I'm going to do a couple of ciders. So to practice for your cider week. certification. Yeah, right. Yeah, I need <laughs> to make more cider. I mean, we've got a handful of people that, you know, they, they will – try to find a beer to drink here, but they're really cider people. Nothing so. wrong with that. Um, I know Louisville Beer Week's coming up. Did you, who did you guys partner with and what beer did you guys brew? Uh, we partnered with uh, Third Turn. Okay. Well, Mike Burris and I got together and talked about, you know, what can we make? And I said, let's talk Halloween candy. Ooh. Yeah. So um, we collaborated on a, uh, salted caramel porter. Ooh, that sounds and delicious. It is delicious. We've it already is. made it. We've, I've already got my, my half and, and they'll have it at both their locations mm -hmm. and we'll have it on here on tap. So we're really excited. I thought it'd be a great fall beer and something that was fun for people. And it's going to be right around Halloween. So I'm a sucker for salt and caramel. And oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm at the point fan. now where I don't eat candy anymore. I drink like candy beers because that's <laughs> like yeah. a salted caramel or some kind of chocolate porter, peanut butter porter, stout. Um, yep. All the, I know a lot of breweries put those around Halloween, out around Halloween, and I am not mad about it. Right. Oh, I know. I know. I can't wait. I've, I've, I've seen them around, and, and everybody's doing such a nice job mm -hmm. with their beers in town. You know, yeah. Really uh, Gallon Fox just brewed a um, – it's like a peanut butter – or peanut chocolate caramel beer. Um, and then she's also did a marshmallow pumpkin beer too, to come out at the end of the month for Halloween. And I'm like, well, it's not going to be good for my, for my liver, but, uh, uh That's yeah. right. exactly. Um, yeah, Louisville's doing some really good things, the beer scene. So, well, I, I think those are all, Oh no, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. I haven't done one of these podcasts in a while. I've been so incredibly busy, but so I do a rapid fire at the end of all my podcasts. So I name two things or, and at the end, I think I name one thing, but you, I'll name two things. You just pick which one you prefer. Super easy. Six pack of 12 ounce cans or four pack of 16 ounce cans. Six pack of 12 ounce cans. Glass bottle or a can? Can. Ale or lager yeast? Logger. Logger. Crowler or growler? Uh, crowler. I know we can't do it, but sit at the bar or sit at the table? Oh, I always sit at the bar. Yeah. Well, used to. Yeah. I always got say. better service. And when I was a bartender, yeah. I, was, I wanted them to sit at the bar. And they always got better service because I was waiting on them. <laughs> New England or West Coast IPA? New England. Stout reporter? Mm, stout. Gosa or Berliner Weiss? Berliner Weiss. 
Seltzer or cider? Cider. Cider. Peanut butter or coffee in your beer? Coffee. Oktoberfest or pumpkin beer? Oktoberfest. Uh, do you prefer a couch beer or a deck beer or a patio? Hmm. Uh, deck. Deck. And then your favorite beer glass style to drink out of? Uh, the Willie Belker. Oh, is that like the um, the barrel looking one? Kind of looks. It's it's a hybrid glass, so okay. you can. It's that was our original beer glass that we had, um, but it's it's tall. It's kind of like this, so you can oh, do okay. you you can do a variety of styles in it. Kind of like a, a tulip pint sort uh, of. No, it's tall. Tall. Okay. It's. I tall. think someone. It's just a little wider. It's not. Okay. It's not as shapely as a uh, Hefeweizen glass. Okay. You know? Okay. So it's it's more uniform in the middle to the base. Hold on. And I think I actually have that pint glass you're talking about. Yeah. Forgot I had this. Is this it with your logo? On yep. It? Yeah. Yep. I got this a couple years ago. So this is yep. obviously it's a. Well, it's a mixed. It's a mixed use. That's yeah. why I picked that one because you could use. You can do it for ales, lagers. You know, we used to. Yeah, this know, is a great. Bottles. Yeah, great pint glass. And That's then, <laughs> and then yes, again, no one's doing glass, so it's unfortunate. Or I'll drink out of these plastic, plastic uh, solo cups. Um, if you could go on any beer vacation right now, where would it be and why? Oh, I nope. want to go to Asheville because I haven't been. You've never been to Asheville? No. I've always had to, I've been working for eight yeah. years. <laughs> and when I, whenever I take time off, it's usually, you know, I'm judging at Great American Beer Fest and I'll try to take extra time there or I'll go up to Chicago. Actually, I still am going to go to Chicago, I think for festival, um, the wooden barrel aged beers. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to yeah, nail so down those dates, but they're trying to figure out how to do those. Yeah. I couldn't go to GABF this year just because I couldn't get away from here. Speaking of that, judging's tonight, or winners are announced tonight, right? I know they're doing the virtual starting tonight, yes. Virtual starting tonight. Yes, you definitely need to go to Asheville. It's amazing. You know, New, New Belgium, Sierra Nevada, those two big ones are there, and you just nerd out as a beer person. I know I did, at least. And then if you could have a beer with anybody, who would it be and why? Hmm. Wow. Who would you I want, the, I guess maybe for you, who would you want to come in and share beer with in your tap room? How about Barack Obama? I mean, my God, I know he drinks beer. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, I think somebody else already, somebody said him as well. And I think that's a... a well, I guess because of, of the debates and yeah. the, the election in a few weeks, you know, it's probably, I, I probably should have thought of someone better, you know. But. No, it's okay. First one came to your mind. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, I he would. I feel like if you gave him a couple beers, you might loosen him up. He'd be able to tell you some funny stories from his time in the White House, right? And he, yeah, he he would definitely be a fun one. Um, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, there's there's no wrong answers with that one. I I like it's kind of like the rapid fire. First thing comes to your mind. So you thought Barack, and that's a a great answer. And he does drink beer, and he seems like a cool guy, even for a past president so well leah i will i know you got to get into uh, the tap room to work because yep of course 
Um, I actually have the off day, which is very weird. I don't know what to do uh, with myself. I already ran a bunch of errands and then I'm like, okay, now what? Like, <laughs> so again, thank you very much. Uh, you have a great weekend and I'm sure I will see you soon.